0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to One Control podcast, episode 304, episode 304. I'm Benjamin Yoder, here today to talk to you about video games generally yeah i think generally yes video games are are the main topic i know last time japan planning was was the biggest portion of the show it felt like but um yeah we're gonna be talking about uh, a couple of games that caught my eye i think one's a switch game and one's a mobile game so we'll be going over those um a little bit of a brief gaming update not a ton to say it's a lot of the stuff i've already talked about um talking a little bit more about japan planning stuff And then I've got a handful of uh, very unpopular topic news stories (laughs) about the hit topics such as metaverse, blockchain, gambling, and NFTs. So get ready for that whole thing. I mean, none of it was planned. Like, this is not something that I was just like, oh, it's time to talk about these things. There's just enough news stories around these things, surprisingly, Um, they kind of all just culminated this week, which is kind of, um, and I think maybe to some extent, like, because all these new stories are happening this week, I have some like thoughts that have built up over time about them. Um, so we'll get into that towards the end of the show. Please look forward to that. I'll let you know when everyone, the thing everyone hates corner uh, comes up. So if you want to leave, you can. Um, but I generally try to like take them somewhat face value, although I try to be skeptical as well. So anyways. All that aside, just a little bit of a brief gaming update. Um, you know, I haven't been playing any new video games. So if you're like, Ben, what's been up? Uh, then uh, don't don't expect anything super, super cool here. Although if you didn't see the Damn Damn Stomp Land uh, review went up last week on the channel. So that was available through the ko page as a, um, as a uh, early access video you could watch for about a, a, a month beforehand. But now it is publicly available on the OCP Plus channel. So go check that out if you want to. Um, but I've also been playing some more Soma Bringer, and I think the only thing I want to say about Soma Bringer right now is that, you know, I'm you can really, when you get to the back half of the story, really start feeling the model of soft vibes, and all the typical story, you know, kind of beats a hit, you know, what's it mean to be a human, what's, 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 you know, all these people, like, have bodies, are they really bodies of humans, and, like, like, if they're not, does that mean they're no longer human, that kind of thing, right, so... Um, you know, if you've been played any monolith soft game, that's pretty much in line with what you'd expect with that stuff. So, um, you know, if you're interested in that monolith soft soft style storytelling, Summerbringer maybe takes a little while to get going in that regard, but, uh, it eventually gets there. And, um, aesthetically, you know, if, I was thinking about this recently. I love the look of the world of Summerbringer. And I think one of the cool things about it is it feels maybe like a weird mix between Xenoblade and, and Kaitos. I feel like is what uh Bringer feels like so you know the only unfortunate thing is that you know obviously all the environments are on a tiny ds screen and unfortunately a lot of the set pieces of that game are really focused on cutscenes and and towns where if you go into the actual dungeons the dungeons all look very very bland in a way that's kind of boring but anyways we'll get to there eventually i'm getting towards the end of that game i think so uh, i'm again i'm trying to finish that before I leave for japan but you know japan trip's coming up fairly soon so we'll see about that I um, played, played a little bit more Apex Legends. I'm not feeling it, man. It might be it might be time to put Apex Legends back in hibernation. It might just be because I'm bad. Like, I feel like I have not had good Apex Legend games. So, I don't know. I think part of it, too, is just, like, I feel like I, I'm just kind of falling back to the same characters I always play. And every time I try a new character, I feel like I have a hard time really getting a grasp of them. So, we'll see. It's hard because, like, I have a friend group that's like, really enjoys playing Apex Legends. And I... On the surface level, I enjoy Apex Legends, but I feel like I haven't been getting what I want out of Apex Legends. So I'm, I'm having fun in the moment, but I don't really, when I turn, like, like, think about it at the end of the day, I'm like, I don't really know what I'm getting out of this. Uh, Dragon marked for death. We're still working on that, and then EDF 4.1 DLC, working on that as well. We're doing it on hard mode, and thankfully, I think we finally kind of got our heads on straight about what we want to do with that, and I think we are going to stick with hard mode. But we did a little bit of, I think, smart grinding to some extent, I think. And I think that helped us out a lot. So, there's my gaming update. Oh, Walk It Out. We'll talk about Walk It Out in a second here. Um, But, yes, that is also something I've been playing again recently. So, that is my little tiny gaming update. So, more Japan planning stuff. Um, So, you know, when I'm in Japan, I'm going to be walking a lot. So, I've been playing Walk It Out, the hit Wii Konami game, only published in U.S. and Europe. I forget the European name. It's something different. I think it's like uh walk fitness walk i don't remember rhythm rock walk island i don't remember what the european name is called walk it out here in the u.s but it's a different name in europe it never came out in japan despite having a very like ddr heavy feeling uh soundtrack to me i say as somebody who has not played ddr the only ddr game i own is diet channel I don't even have a DDR PS2 pad, so I, I eventually should pick something like that up, but I hear they're notoriously flimsy, so I don't know if there's like aftermarket ones that would be a better choice for that, Um, so I don't know. We'll see, Uh, but yeah, I've been trying to walk it out just to kind of build up stamina a little bit. I am not in the best shape of my life at this point, unfortunately, so that is, you know, also a good thing, and I'm hoping... You know, when I was in Japan last time, I did continue to lose weight. So I'm I'm hoping being in Japan, despite you know probably eating a bunch of garbage, um, the nice thing about Japan is that like the serving sites are are small, and that was like one of the hard things when I came back from the to the U.S. It was just like, oh, all these meals you order are like huge, so it would be ideal when I get back, if I can continue to consume smaller meal portions, but I feel like, you know, it's steadily, your like stomach steadily gets back to like, oh, oh, you've got to finish your plate thing, which I, I, I don't think is a particularly healthy thing to do. Um, so, but, uh, but yeah, but I did a little bit more planning in terms of like events and stuff like that. Um, last time when I talked about it, I, uh, really had only planned events that were like kind of, more normal events. I think Did I did I even have an event calendar? I don't even remember if at the time I had an event calendar anymore. Um, but you know, I went and did some planning for various, uh, kind of, you know, big stuff that is just like, Oh, you want to come look at this flower thing that's happening right here's a flea market things like that right and I think there's a lot of things that I'm I'm looking forward to doing in that regard but one thing I did was I did a little bit of a kind of doujin event hunting which is something I didn't do last time because when I went last time I had comic cat for um I think four days is the time of period of comic cat but I think I only went for three days if I recall correctly and so I really didn't have a need to go to like a smaller Dojin event. Um, so this time around, though, I did find a couple events. One uh, is in Tokyo, and it's called Heroin and Mix uh, Volume Three. Seems like it's a lot of like '90s magical girl kind of stuff. Um, so you know, I'm not the biggest fan of that kind of thing, but it is like relevant to what I do. You know, being connected to the PCFX as well. There's like Akazukin Cha Cha stuff there, Tokyo Yumyu um well i guess like 2000 stuff as well because mermaid melodies is there and things like that so i'm gonna to go to that that's kind of like a mixed event i think so it's like a group like different groups of people so i think there are some more like modern groups within that mixed events of modern like kind of heroine kind of uh anime um but the one i'm more interested in ended up being in nagoya if you remember last week i said I'm going to stay in Tokyo the whole time. Well, now I'm going to Nagoya for a few days. <laughs> so um almost solely for this event called the Game Legacy Volume 2. Sounds like they had an event back in October in Nagoya. Um, but yeah, this is like a small retro game Dojin event. And I thought it looked really cool. And so I was like, I'll, I'll check this out. And uh, I looked at the floor plan for the last event. And it's like two tiny conference rooms, basically. So, um, but they did say it was pretty packed. So I don't know how packed that is. <laughs> like I don't know how small of an event this is going to be. Hopefully not so small that it's awkward, right? <laughs> um, you know, being the, the the like one white guy there or something like that who can't speak Japanese. Um, but you know, when you have tables that are dedicated to things like nuts and milk for the Famicom, like yeah probably probably a good show for me to or a little event for me to go to and they have like another event the next day that one I'm a little even more skeptical skeptical going about too because like they do seem to buy and sell games if you want to there Um, but the big part of it seems to be kind of socializing and uh, doing quizzes and bingo and so obviously being unable to speak Japanese you know, how much will I be able to socialize? So I might try to stop in and just like look at the stuff they're selling and then just kind of get the vibe of the room and then generally probably just leave. I'd say probably very likely just go in, poke my nose in and then leave kind of thing. Um, Unless I find there's like a very specific reason why it makes sense for me to just kind of like hang around kind of thing so um they didn't post the details of that event yet so i'm just still just watching for that so pretty excited for that but one bad thing unfortunately by the time you're hearing this this is now over and done there was a buddy mission bond event i could have gone to ah like not an official event dojin event as well um it pairs chelsea and mokuma and it's a part one of those like smaller events within a bigger event like the Heroin mix one um and i really was like ah dang it ah dang it if i just came out a few weeks earlier, (laughs) which originally the plan was to be like a late March, early April, um, uh, trip, but I just got, was too late. So unfortunately that would have been a really nice thing to go to, um, to go there. The only problem I think I'd run into is that like, you know, there's plenty of diverse, different types of buddy mission, bond, dojin and stuff out there. Right. But when you get into that space, I feel like you, you do run into more like R18 stuff. And I'm a little, like as much as I'm kind of okay, like I'm okay with that kind of stuff generally, and like looking at it and appreciating, it, I think the people doing the work on those things are are great. Um, me personally owning that stuff, I don't know. It's a little hard because it's like I can't really like show it to anyone and like share that joy with them. Like, oh, look at this Toka doll book that I have and things like that, right? So it would be like something that I just like personally have, and I had this thing there's a um, at Comic Cat there was a i think her japanese name is medifu um but the uh us name for her was morag in xenoblade chronicles 2 and there's one book that looked really cute but it was an r18 book and so i ended up passing on it and at the very end of that day i was like i should just go get it like like it's not a big deal i'm an adult i'm an adult man i can grab whatever i want uh, but they already had packed up their table by the time i got there so rest in peace <laughs> Um, you know, nothing was lost, but, but, you know, I think I, I'm just somebody who's a little, um, I, I, I think I could, I think I, I, I probably could better appreciate that stuff more than I, 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 I say I would, um, you know, but anyways, that stuff aside, uh, you know, I wish I could have gone to that event, but uh, again, it would be kind of probably weird just being like the white guy there being like, yes, let me get your, your Yowie book <laughs> kind of thing or something. But you know, th- that community makes a ton of cute other things, charms, little like stationary things. Like the, some of those books, even the R E T team have beautiful covers and things like that. That's the one thing I've really noticed with the Buddy Mission Bond books, very high production quality books that... I think um, have really blown me away on all their cover work and things like that. I, I don't know why that's the case. Maybe it's just I happen to see these books. Maybe it's the type of fan base it is. You know, the the people who are engaged with franchises like, with, but, like Buddy Mission Bond, to my understanding, spend a lot of money on merchandise for buddy mission bond right they're buying a lot of drama cds they're buying pins they're buying acrylic things right they're buying all this stuff and so maybe they're just like they have the money to throw it around kind of thing um and so that maybe is why it's a little more uh uh higher higher production value and i don't know the pricing that stuff is all like i think importable via melon books though so if i wanted to get it i definitely could you know i just had to buy a bunch and then ship it kind of thing but anyways going to the events like part of the fun right in a lot of ways. So I'm looking forward to that and that's kind of like I think that That retro game one has definitely become, I think, kind of a highlight of what I'm going to be doing in Japan. And being in Nagoya, I can kind of poke my nose around there as well because I've not been to Nagoya before. So I don't really know what I'm going to do there yet. There is like a little electronics district kind of thing. Uh, You know, I say this only based off the Google Maps and like where stores are situated, not that I actually know if there's like electronics district, but it seems like there's a cluster of kind of like that nerdy kind of stuff, you know, that you would see at like an Akihabara kind of thing, right? So uh, my do that i think the problem i run into with that is like i don't like being at akihabara very long so like going to that for nagoya might be a problem too but you know i i i you know i'll be there for about three days so i'll have plenty of time to break up some time going around and exploring that um when i want to kind of thing so um so yeah that was kind of the big event stuff that i kind of planned out that's probably most relevant here there's some smaller stuff i'm not really going to talk about i don't think because it's just like You know, it's on the level of me being like, I'm going to go to Japanese like graveyards, which sounds weird, but it was one of the like piece of advice my dad gave me when I was like traveling. He's like, I just like going to graveyards because like they're really interesting to look at and they are very quiet and kind of serene in a lot of ways. And, you know, it is a little weird being in like a whole grave area, but, you know, there's a lot of really nice stuff there. Um, and, And sure enough, when I did that in Japan, it was one of my favorite parts of those trips is doing that kind of stuff and being like, I'm just in this graveyard <laughs> and like all these very nice headstones and things like that. Right. Um, so like that kind of stuff that's like, it has no real relevance to gaming and things like that. So don't know if there's any taboo with that, but I think that's kind of a, as much as like positioning it that way is kind of weird. Um, there's a lot of like Templeton and shrines where that was very much like, Hey, here's a walking path. You can kind of walk around if you want to, and it didn't seem like there was any kind of like, hey, no tourists in this area kind of thing. So I don't know. Maybe I'm doing something <laughs> wrong. Who can say? You never know. It's Japan. You're just like, I hope I don't offend anybody the whole time. So. So, yeah. Um, oh, the one other thing was uh, there's Sin Sophia's offices. So I was like kind of looking for. So last time I went to Japan, I had I went to like the Hunex offices, which was one of the most nerve wracking experiences of my life, because like, I hope nobody sees me. It was during New Year holiday, so I didn't think anyone would but you know, I had to get up there, take a picture with the sign and that was kind of it. Um and I was paranoid that somebody would see me and be like, "What are you doing here?" <laughs> um you know, it's just out in the the walkway, so it's not like a big deal. Um but since Sophia offices um have been one that I've also been like fairly aware of. And one of the fun thing about sin Sophia's offices is they have posters for all their games on their window. So there's a bunch of style savvy ones. There's pre ones. Uh, I don't remember if there's anything for like the dragon quest, like work and things like that, but they have posters, a lot of most of their games for girls kind of work. Um, and so I was like, Oh, maybe I'll go like, check out that and just stare at it and be like, yeah, that's a wall with a thing covered in posters and be like, that's my game developer moment. In Japan kind of thing, right? Not not bother anybody. I'm just here to, you know, take a picture of this thing and be like, I was here. Um, but uh, I looked on Google Maps and it seems like May that they took down those posters during COVID and they have not put them back up. So... I get the impression that that is no more fun. Windows basically for that, so I, I probably won't go down there because I'll just be looking at their sign and be like, "Yeah, that sign says Sin Sophia," and I don't feel the same love for Sin Sophia that I do for like Qnex or something like that, right? So, so yeah. But it was um, yeah. So a lot of kind of stuff like that um, is is what's been on my mind. I haven't really set like actual dates and times for what I'm doing. Uh, but I am just like basically laying out a foundation in some ways. So once I actually, you know, probably the next week or so is going to be actually saying, what am I doing when? And um, if I, I, I've never done like pre-purchasing of tickets in Japan. And so if like I missed my opportunity to pre-purchase tickets for things, so be it. Um, But, you know, pre-purchasing some tickets for some stuff that I didn't really do last time, I will say. So um, it is a somewhat new experience for me to do that. Um, I don't know how much of that I'm going to do, though. uh, I'm on the fence about that. So Um, one other small thing, actually, I don't want to get into too much detail about the situation of it, but I did get in contact with um, somebody who I know on Twitter um, who's like in the Atokadal fan community. And they uh, had like a at one of the arcade locations that they worked at a notebook that people could leave messages and drawings and things like that. And I thought it was like super cute. And, um, long story short, basically they sent me the scans for it, which was very nice of them. So I was able to see those, which was like very nice and cute. Um, unfortunately it is one of the situations with like, do not share it really. <laughs> there were some exceptions. I won't go into them, but, but the general leaders are just like, don't, don't spread these. So, I cannot share those with anybody, Um, but I I do like super appreciate them taking the time because scanning books is not an easy thing to do. So, but it's like super cute and super fun in there, and I'm gonna um, take some time to try to figure out if I can decipher some stuff. But it's all handwritten notes, so you know, machine translation stuff like that is not gonna you know be 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 pleasant about that. So. Um, Oh, side note is also I need to kind of decide on like an arcade game while I'm in Japan. If you don't know when you're in Japan, or at least my personal opinion when you're in Japan, saying from an experience of one trip is um, really focus on one arcade game because most arcade games are built as a service game now, live service game. So if you just play it once, you're going to get like a tutorial and that's going to be kind of it. So I think like hopping between games is not a particularly fulfilling experience. I think you should, you know, maybe hop between games initially, just if you see something interesting. But really focus on one game when you're in Japan. I think ideally if you can figure out what that is beforehand and also be something that you're going to have accessibility to whether it be a popular game or you knowing what actual like locations have it is an important thing. That's how I got through and beat a doll last time was I just kind of dedicated all my arcade time on those trips to playing a tokadol. Um and I tried out some Aikatsu and stuff but I really didn't commit to it, Right. And, um, obviously token all has gone and I already got, you know, all the time I think I was going to get out of it. So the one I'm looking at right now is Dragon Quest Die Crossblades. This is that Dragon Quest um, anime franchise game that was uh, released alongside uh, the mobile game, or at least uh, announced along the same time as the mobile game that's been since shut down. And then also announced alongside Infinity Strash, which is not out yet. Um, so this is a arcade game with cards. and the cards let you move the characters around. and like each character has like an attack space in front of them. So you kind of line them up and combine attacks. And there's like a lot of like, you know, it's a, it's a kid's game. So a lot of like button smashing to do more damage and things like that. And timing elements kind of thing. So I think that's what I'm going to try to focus on when I'm in Japan. I think it depends on like, you know, how hard it is to find those. I would think it's a fairly popular game. So I think it probably will be around. Um, I also was considering Chase Chase Jokers, but the problem with Chase Chase Jokers is that it is a largely multiplayer game, and I worry about kind of burdening uh, uh, other players with, with me playing some. So I'll probably at least try it, um, but I don't know if I'll play it extensively, um, specifically because I can't really like, it'd be hard to know, well I think it's like network play, I will say that. So I think it is like you won't actually be interacting with a lot of players around you. I think you'll just be kind of going online. So there's that kind of like faceless value to it. So maybe that's like enough reason. I don't know. We'll see. I'll at least try Chase Chase Jokers when I'm in Japan. I don't think, but like, I don't know what I'd get out of playing it a ton kind of thing uh, maybe, maybe give it a handful of rounds, just kind of feel the vibe of it. And Maybe if I love it, maybe I'll give it a, a good long go, but that's what I'm thinking of. I can't think of too many other arcade games off the top of my head that I'm like, oh man, um, I would love to check that out. The only problem with Dragon Quest, uh, die is that I already have that other Dragon Quest Monster Battle Road game here that I yet to play. I keep not playing cause I'm like, I gotta beat Bringer first. <laughs> um, so, uh, that game is, uh, also a card based Dragon Quest game, but it's a, it's a bit different in terms of the cards are more of just like equipment cards or in the case of Dragon Quest I, the cards are uh, character cards and they like also are things you move around on like a, a stage and things like that, which I think is kind of neat. So, but who knows, maybe, I'll, maybe something else will catch my eye and I'll really invest in that. You know, I don't have the same reverence for Dragon Quest Die as I did like when I was like trying to play a doll in Japan. I was like, I got to get the most time out of a doll as possible. So the only reason I didn't play a doll early in my trip is because I wasn't staying like super close to one of the locations that had a doll. So I ended up focusing more on Aikatsu because when I was playing arcade games in, um, in uh, where was I at? I mean, it was in As- Asakusa. Um, when I was playing arcade games, like it was at night, like kind of before, before I was doing like the nighttime Akihabara stops on my way back when I would just like stop at, uh, the, the arcade and, uh, I think it's like a, is it a Taito arcade there? I don't remember but uh and then also in Osaka uh they had a um one that was like by my my hotel as well so it's like it's just kind of like a nice place to go and just play until it was time to you know head it, head to bed kind of thing so anyways that's it for Japan planning time stuff uh pretty pretty much getting to the point that it is all locked in again fairly late to start locking things in but that's that's how it is so so yeah um also, just kind of a side note, I thought this was kind of neat. There's like a VR uh, Japanese cultural property thing on Steam, kind of coming up here. Um, basically, looks lets, lets you look at a variety of like Japanese art and pottery and things like that. And since you're in VR, you can kind of like pick it up and uh, move it around and like peel away the layers of it and just kind of like study it a bit more. And there's like little text pop-ups and things like that. I thought that was kind of cool. I thought it just something really worth mentioning um, here since we're talking about going to Japan and looking at stuff. Um, it's just called Japanese. Cultural Property VR Cimeter, or VR Museum is what it's called on Steam. I'm sure I'll have the link. Hopefully, I actually don't have the link in my notes here, so hopefully, hopefully the link will be there when I when I get there. Um, before we get into news and stuff like that, uh, let's take a little little time to talk about Jillian's corner. Jillian, even though we did random number generator on her questions, I actually got another Nintendo mobile game question. I think we had one last week that was something along the lines of like, um, what do you? Think about Nintendo's mobile strategy or something like that. I don't remember what the question was, but we, I answered them. Um, and this week's question that Jillian has sent us is, do you have any ideas for mobile Nintendo games? And the one idea I've always had, and maybe it doesn't make as much sense anymore, but a long time ago when, you know, I think smaller mobile games for cheap prices were were more of a common thing before we got kind of focused on free-to-play with monetization models and things like that, is I thought Yoshi Touch and Go would be the perfect fit you have the vertical screen they're connected to each other and the price of Yoshi Touch and Go would be I think a great three to five dollar video game it is you know quick sit down and play you know action kind of thing and I and I think Yoshi Touch and Go would be a great opportunity for that I don't think that matters as much today but um That would be probably the one that I I have held on to the longest. You know, obviously, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter to me. I have Yoshi Touch & Go on Nintendo DS and Wii U, so I'm ready to play Yoshi Touch & Go at home or on the go. <laughs> the other thing, I don't really have any specific ideas for this, but uh I would like to see uh Kirby show up on mobile at some point because Kirby's just a really diverse character. And so I feel like they could do some really fun things with the touch screen and things like that on a on a mobile phone um and and like maybe some of the other features of phone with like cameras and things like that. I mean obviously the 3DS had those things, gyro and all that stuff. But, you know, having a little bit more power and then also um, putting it in like a different situation. But again, I don't know what that would look like from a mobile game sense. I mean, the the, the popular Nintendo mobile games are the ones that have gotcha in, right? So like, I don't know what gotcha, Kirby gotcha you put in. I guess like in Kirby Dream Buffet, they had like different outfits and stuff you would get that you would unlock by rank. So maybe you could just do like Kirby outfits through gotcha or something like that. I don't personally think that would be successful. I'm not going to say it wouldn't be. I think Fire Emblem gotcha makes a lot of sense um Mario Kart's one of the weird ones right um I don't know if I ever would have thought Mario Kart gotcha made sense but hey I I believe it's successful and profitable so it has worked out for them so far I believe so a little bit of a shorter Jillian's Corner there but we have a quite a few news stories to get through here but I I don't really have any strong ideas for Nintendo mobile games I'll be honest and I also don't necessarily think Nintendo's going to do anything anytime soon I saw like a, a YouTube thumbnail. It's like, what happened to the Zelda mobile game? I was like, I didn't even remember there being one announced, but you know, there probably was something said at some point. Um, I didn't go look at the video though. <laughs> it's one of those videos where like, there's probably like one sentence of information that's relevant. And then it's just somebody speculating for the entire rest of the video. <laughs> so I was like, uh, I mean, I don't want to say for sure. I didn't click on it, but that was my general feeling when I, when I saw it. I was like, yeah, I think I'm good. <laughs> I, think I'll, I think I'll watch this. There's like a Silicon Era article this week that was like, what is the future of Final Fantasy Eleven? Or like the producer has chimed in on the future of Final Fantasy XI. And the, the, the comment was just like, I will continue to produce Final Fantasy XI as is. Because like the, the producers changed. But like he just said, I'm going to do the same thing we, we have been doing. Thank you. And like that is like the most non news story. But they got me to click with that title, I'm sure. If they didn't put anything in there, I, I probably wouldn't have clicked it. But, yeah. I think I have been getting the feeling that, like, I don't necessarily know how much I like Silicon Era these days. I feel like there's a lot of weird decisions being made there. I think I talked to you guys before about, like, the Yakuza bullet point list article. And there's, like, something else. I forget what it was. It was, like, another bullet point list. Very strange articles on there. I don't know what's going on with that. Um, I don't know if it's like SEO stuff or what, but the quality has been mm, not not the highest. Um, they do still serve some purposes for me, but I think I am um, kind of getting away from reading a lot of stuff from them, unfortunately. So, um, There's two big news stories this week that are big in the general gaming news sense, but I kind of want to talk about them through the eye of a different um, thing that happened. Uh, so if you are aware um, E3 and it was canceled, uh, the physical and digital show. Uh, I believe they are saying there's still room for opportunity that next year they might still do it. But, um, for now, at least it seems like E3 is probably good, good gone for good. I could, I don't know for sure. Either way, like it seems unlikely E3 will reemerge at the moment. And I think a lot of people are kind of doing their E3 eulogies at this point. The ESA will not go away. They still are a lobbyist group, all that fun stuff. Um, but the E3 event, for this year, at least has been canned. Um, the reality is that they probably just need to find, if they're going to do an event, they need to find their own niche. And, um, I don't know what that is at this point anymore. Um, and there's also the Nintendo uh video that came out that was like 10 minutes of Zelda gameplay, and it showed off, you know, how the merging stuff worked and, and also just some general information about that game. Some people are disappointed about how it looks too much like the other Zelda. Some people didn't really care. Like, it's a whole thing. Like, I think by the time that game is out, nobody will really remember that argument. So I kind of didn't pay a lot of attention to it. Um, But Kyle Bossman put out an interview that I thought was actually... Or an interview, a uh, video that I thought was really good. And I thought it was worth uh, mentioning this because I really like Kyle Bossman's videos. I think he has like really interesting and unique perspectives um, on games a lot of times. And he has really fun ways that he talks about events like E3 or Summer Game Fest and things like that. And I think he um, has maybe a little bit of a um, unique look at them because he's also been involved with those events in in the past as well. So I think he feels more interested in like the feeling of E3 rather than everything else surrounding it um and this video while it's being presented as a separate Zelda thing and as a separate E3 thing um is is kind of connect it kind of connects those two in a lot of ways and I thought he made some really interesting points there about the delivery of the Nintendo um you know video how how in some ways it's very soulless but it's also soulless in kind of the right ways in a lot of ways And then also kind of like what E3 is and what does E3 modern matter to the modern, you know, uh, game player who was not around for E3 anymore? Does anyone care about E3? Um, And like made some comparisons like Woodstock and things like that. So um, I don't want to give too much details because I think it's just like a really fun video. I wasn't going to mention the E3 or the Zelda thing otherwise, but I I just kind of want to highlight it because I thought it was like a a really good video uh, about that topic. So if you're interested in that, I will link it in the description for that. All right. Game news relevant to us. Though so we don't care about Zelda, we don't care about E three. We care about the Pretty Princess Party farming game, which I didn't actually get the name for. I'll see if I can get the name for it here real quick. I just wrote Pretty Princess Farming Game. Pretty Princess Magical Garden Island. I don't think it's been announced for the U.S. yet. I could be wrong. Let me let me do a little little thing. I only have a four gamer article here. Um, so if you don't know, on the Nintendo Switch there was a uh, game called Pretty Princess, um, Party, and it was like a uh uh party game um, featuring princesses and you like de- decorate decorate rooms and things like that. seems like this was announced late la- last year and i I, I uh, missed it I um, hope I think I missed it maybe I talked about it on here before or I, I don't remember doing so but um what this game does basically is it takes the uh, the pretty princess uh, aesthetic and things like that, the outfit designs and things like that and brings it to a more like Harvest Moon-style game. Obviously, there's a lot of Harvest Moon-style games out there, and so everyone's kind of applying their own flavor to it, Harvest Stella and things like that, right? Um, and, uh, yeah, it just kind of focuses on, you know, the kind of gardening aspects, but also has kind of like a more Animal Crossing town decoration element to it as well. I feel like in a way that like, I feel like most of their Harvest Moon style games hasn't really focused on. I'm not super familiar with them, but I don't think you can make like, you know, little cafe areas and things like that, or set up like little food trucks and, and like customize your, your landscape in, in, in different ways. A lot of times, I think if you have customizations, it's like, What's your barn look like buddy what's your what's your cow house look like um, so I could be wrong about that. I say that only as somebody who has vaguely looked at these video games over time. Um, but it also has the pretty princess, uh, cosmetics and things like that. I'm going to guess new cosmetics as well. There's a lot of character designs in here with like hairstyles and things like that. I don't remember seeing in the original pretty princess party as somebody who viewed it from afar. And I feel like it has a little bit more diversity in its outfits, but I say that as somebody who did not play pretty princess party. Um, it looks very cute. I don't know if I'll actually play it um i don't think that they uh gave a release day oh yeah they did uh in japan at least it's going to release on july 6 2023 um maybe let me actually see nippon hd has announced the completely original software it will be released on thursday july 6 2023 all right so it so it was, supposedly according to this four gamer article keep in mind machine translation could get it wrong you, you your your island is carrot island <laughs> so is what machine translation says here um, so yeah, it looks really cute, and uh, I was really excited to see uh, something like that show up. Um, there's also another game I was looking at that I really caught my eye as well. I don't know how old this game is. I don't think it's out yet. Uh, supposedly, there's maybe an anime based around this as well. I, I did not look too deeply into the the history of what this thing is, but um, there's a closed beta test for it about two weeks ago. It's called Tat Op Symphony. Um, it's a mobile RPG. Uh, that in in some ways kind of looks like Octopath Traveler in terms of, you know, kind of being that kind of 2D in a 3D environment kind of thing. And then also the battles, like, kind of have these 2D character portraits that, you know, are more like live 2D than anything, and they animate and attack and things like that. Um, But I I, I really like the soundtrack because it is a music-based RPG in a lot of ways, so all the character outfits seem to be based around different instruments and stuff, so I have a soft spot for that. That's part of why I like Shining Resonance. Um, and because of that, the, the music for the game is more like classical music and things like that, which I really enjoyed and thought like, like a battle theme, you know, classical music twist kind of thing is always a fun thing. I think the character art, like the faces are a little samey and maybe a little soulless in a lot of ways, but I think the outfits make up for it personally for me. Um, and and so I think I really like the look of the game. But, you know, it being a mobile RPG, unfortunately, like I don't think I'll actually play it um unfortunately but I don't think it's out in the US at least. It might be out in Japan already, but uh there was a closed beta test for in uh, for English and so there's some gameplay out there um that's in English if you're if you're interested in in seeing that. But like this kind of gets put in the space now as like Dolphin Wave where it's like I probably should play Dolphin Wave, a game I also kind of am a little mixed about the character art for in some ways. But I mean it's it's basically the center Kagura Kanegawa jet girls thing of just like you know girls uh, not not tact op symphony but the the dolphin wave is like just girls in swimsuits and and with big boobs and things like that right tact op symphony is more like dresses and things like that um so i think it's a little more appealing to me because it it does kind of fit into that like doll lolita fashion kind of thing so um but yeah dolphin wave is another game i really would I should play, I don't know if I will, um, the Dolphin Wave is actually on PC as well, so, like, I could probably go around the route of that pretty easily, I mean, I could play on mobile easily as well, but on PC, I can capture it a lot easier at the very least, and probably, honestly, for me, I'm more likely to mess with something on my PC than I am on my, my phone, unless I really want to, like, with Dragon Quest Champions and things like that, so, anyways, that's it for the, news stories of things that typically people would be okay talking about uh like i said we're going to the the section of news stories about things everybody hates now (laughs) so um if you're interested in hearing what i have to say about some of these things uh i i think uh i think there's some fun conversations in here i try to you know think about a lot of these things in depth but i also am very skeptical of a lot of them so we'll go into a little bit of that um, although a little bit of a quick update here. don't have a lot to say about this at the moment. But if you know in the past, we've talked about Million Arthur NFT game thing or NFT or whatever. It's the Square Enix. One of the Square Enix's first ventures into NFTs featuring the Million Arthur characters. If you don't know, Million Arthur was this franchise that and I guess still is this franchise that was actually popular for a little while um, and had various mobile games and things like that and a fighting game and a VR game and stuff like that. But the franchise kind of just puttered out in about a year or two, I think just kind of over overexposure. But one of the, the uh, iconic things that series had was like this webtoon series or folk for coma series that also became like video versions of it. And um, the, the art for that is like really distinct. I forget the artist's name, but like these little chibi characters who are just like (laughs) really uh, crude in a lot of ways and how they behave and act with each other kind of thing. Um, and so they sold like all the million Arthur NFTs are like based off that little chibi crude character style, because that was probably what was most popular about NF- million Arthur in a lot of ways. Um, or at least, at least that's the thing that I feel like was the surface level popular thing. The game itself didn't really uh, go into that art style very much outside of some particular, uh, cameos in the fighting game. There's the girl that pops out that like tries to grab somebody's crotch if you use her as a, like assist or something like that. And she's like a little tiny, weird 2d character sprite where everybody else looks normal kind of thing. So, um, but yeah, they're doing a stream later this week that they're finally going to talk about whatever that NFT game is. I just thought we'd mention it again because we're getting into this space. And, uh, so there might be NFT talk again next week, but you know, let me say this though, in, in talking about million Arthur as an NFT game. Um, you know, I still am on the fence about like, well, maybe not on the fence is the right word. um, I am still like open-minded that if like an nFT game shows use for its property um, or use uh, shows usefulness for what it is uh, then cool I'll pay attention to it um, million Arthur is like a one weird exception for me because I had a connection to the million Arthur franchise for a little while <laughs> um but I I've been looking at various nft games like GGGG and things like that and nothing's really nothing's really doing it. In my eyes, in my opinion, um, not only from just like a game quality thing, uh, but also just in justifying the NFT element. So at GDC, there's actually a blockchain area there, if you guys weren't aware of that. And, uh, you know, actually a decent number of Japanese publishers still seem to be on board doing NFT stuff to some degree. Obviously, they're a lot more quiet about it. Maybe Square Enix is the ex- exception, but they made a lot of investments in NFT stuff and, and blockchain stuff. So I feel like they are feeling the need to be supportive of that industry to make sure they make their money back, right? Um, And, like, some of the games have some pretty nice art and things like that, or cute art, but, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, if each of these characters are NFTs and they're supposed to build value, like, because it's kind of a different thing, right? I think that's one thing that, I kind of was an interesting takeaway from all those, like, Square Enix CEO messages was him saying, like, this isn't for the people who buy Final Fantasy today, right? This is for people who want to play and invest, which is a different audience for them, right? And then so what does that mean, right? What what people who are playing NFT games really probably want is an investment platform with a graphical user interface that makes it interesting, right? And so while I, there are some games that are building the gameplay aspect, the resources just have not been there um, or maybe even some to some degree the skill set because I don't think you're seeing a lot of you know, experienced developers go into that space for good reason. I mean, when the market bought them out, right? Um, and and so you kind of have this weird thing where like nobody's really investing the money into it. And so all these games don't look particularly good and they don't really seem to be, they seem to be NFT games for the sake of it and not NFT games because there's like an actual reason to, to make them NFT games. You know, I say this to somebody who doesn't really know much about this stuff. So it's like at the end of the day, like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's just one of those things that like, I, I, I think I understand what they're trying to do with NFT games in terms of the core goal of making an investment platform that you can gamify essentially. But when I look at the execution of everything, all of it seems meaningless. So, and I think, you know, that's where a lot of people were from with day one. And so I'm not saying that I'm like a you know, particularly new insight on this. I think a lot of people were like, this looks like it's completely meaningless um, from the beginning. Um, and I think I, I I would agree. I don't like say I'm, I'm not a smart person, but I think that's one thing that I've continued to say is like, hey, if somebody shows meaning to this, cool. But until somebody shows meaning to it, whatever, man. Um, so, but video game stuff. So I think it's still worth looking at, keeping an eye on. And seeing what's going on there. The next hot topic, Metaverse stuff. Uh, The reason we're talking about this is because Gundam Metaverse will be launching in October. We talked about the Gundam Metaverse previously. I think due to the AI Navigator at the time. Because they had like an artificial intelligence idol kind of thing that would deliver information to you about various Gundam things if you asked it questions and things like that. Don't know how the execution is, if it's like a preset question thing or if it's like a chat GPT thing. You know, chat GPT and like that kind of AI chat is definitely the hot topic thing right now. It's basically what NFTs and cryptocurrencies were for a while in terms of like how people are talking about it. I think AI is a more useful technology in a lot of ways though. Um, but, uh, yeah, so they're, they're launching this metaverse thing and, um, what they're doing is they're launching it partially first. And I think, again, a lot of this probably comes from the fact that a lot of this is probably bottomed out in a lot of ways where you're not getting as much investment in this kind of thing with, you know, Facebook kind of backing away from meta and things like that. Um, but, uh, or meta backing away from the metaverse, funny enough after they renamed themselves, right? Um. But uh, they they are basically starting only with the e-commerce shopping part of it. So you can go on, you can chat with other people, but the main purpose of logging in will be to a chat with other people, b shop for Gundam models in there, and then also I don't know if this was there from from the beginning. But, um, scanning your Gundam models and like what that looks like, I think is a little weird. I don't, I don't like understand that. Like, yeah, you can scan your Gundam model in if you built one, but like, does it capture the intricacies of like, if you built the Gundam model and you got the sticker like off center or something like that? Right. I don't necessarily think that's going to be what's going to happen. I think it's going to recognize that Gundam and just load up that Gundam character model. Right. In a lot of ways. Um, so yeah, I don't know this, the, the initial plan seems a little, um, light in my opinion, they said that they're going to bring a battle mode to it eventually, but you know, if you're gonna launch this thing as just a way to buy Gundam models online, like it's it's a novelty, but I can't personally I don't imagine that really catching on. Um I really like part of me really feels like this is just like this is what we got, and we don't have anything else to invest in it right now because this kind of space is kind of dried up or maybe the, the the hot buzz behind it has kind of dried up a little bit again this is all pure speculation on my part I have no idea of any of this stuff for you know what Bandai Namco is thinking or anything like that so anyways but they are doing some uh auto translation stuff for speech to text and text to speech uh so people between countries can communicate with each other um I, I I do appreciate that kind of stuff um I was a big fan of the auto translate system in Final Fantasy 11 I felt like Final Fantasy 14's auto translate was like sorely lacking um but you know there's regional data servers and things like that for that game uh fantasy star online was also pretty decent but i still think final fantasy 11 was the strongest kind of auto translate in uh in in game and, and how that would work i guess you should say is for both pso and 11 is that there's key phrases that you can basically choose and those key phrases would automatically translate so you could say how are you doing and then like tab and it would choose the auto-translate version of how are you doing and it would go and be like oh you know say it in Japanese or Spanish or whatever right um and in the case of Palm Face 11 you would just type something then tab um but then in the PSO you'd like go through like a a grid menu kind of thing to find what you're trying to say um but you know honestly in in the era of like you know using a analog stick to type messages out um was not necessarily a bad thing or a d-pad in the case of the Dreamcast version right so But, you know, I think at the end of the day, in my opinion, you know, you need to build the game first and, um, you know, I think the battle mode coming eventually thing is probably going to be, is a good sign that this thing might not succeed. I say this again, as somebody who is not smart about video games, I did not think Final Fantasy 14 would turn around as quickly as it did. So I'm not going to sit here and claim that I know what's happening. But, you know, when I look at things like Final Fantasy 14, Phantasy Star Online 2 and Fortnite, those games are doing in a lot of ways, what Metaverse is trying to do, right? Um, but they're video games first, and they they give you a reason to play those games first and foremost. And social interactions are a big part of those games, but they give you something to do with other people, and that's a an quality experience all built together. And I don't think I see that in the Gundam Metaverse personally. Um, obviously, it's not it's trying to be kind of a different thing in a lot of ways, but you know, I don't know. Um, I will also say, character models. Not my favorite. I think the Gundams themselves look good, but the, uh, you know, characters themselves look pretty generic. Um, and I, I personally would have liked to see something a little bit more, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe more in style with the Gundams series as a whole. It does not feel very Gundam to me. It feels just kind of like, Hey, here are some easy to put together models. I say easy to put together. I shouldn't say it like that, but you know, they, they feel kind of like they could have been used for any metaverse project kind of thing. Right. So anyways um we'll see if like i'm curious if like sega super game was a metaverse project if that's affected by you know the fallouts i know there was like a lot of rumors about sega um getting into nfts at the super game i mean sega's already in nfts don't get me wrong but um the super game thing in particular had some rumors around it um and also it felt very like metaversy in a lot of ways and how they're talking about it so like i'm curious if you know i think it's like 2025 when they're trying to release that I'm curious if that will work out, you know, I, it really seems like a big bet that is super risky, personally, I don't really, I don't know, obviously we don't know what the super game looks like, but, uh, yeah, it's uh, a little bit of a interesting situation Sega's going to be in, but hey, best of luck to them, L- love ya, um, I don't know anyone who works there anymore, I was going to say Yuji Naka, but he's not there anymore. Hey, the Fantasy Star Online 2 guy who's been in Fantasy Star forever. Love you, dude. I don't remember I remember what your face looks like. Do not remember your name. <laughs> so Um anyways. Oh, one other thing I want to talk about actually. Um you know, I, I wanted to mention uh for Metaverse stuff, uh one of the, the metaverse projects I thought was probably the most interesting to me personally, um and this was a while ago, um, was Teams, so Microsoft's Metaverse project. And I think the big reason why I thought Metaverse with um teens was was interesting was it was business focused. And the reason I think that's that was important is because you know with covid and everything there were a lot of like uh you know a lot of office spaces went from full-time 5 days a week workspaces to you know hybrid workspaces and some people who never come in the office, right? and um you can really tell like when i was at a, the small office that i was at the time like it really changed office dynamics and you really lose the feeling of working with other people and being part of something with each other um you know from a business perspective there's value in that and that you know it helps people commit to your project more and so i think there's a lot of like ethics questions about that um like because there are a lot of things that you know businesses will do to to try to make it feel like you have a commitment to them, even though they're like, they will lay you off, right? <laughs> like when they're like, oh, we're a family here. I think stuff like that is kind of a, uh, I don't want to say red flags. I think a lot of companies do it, but, you know, I, I don't think they always come with the best intentions. Um, But, you know, there is like camaraderie, I think that, that you should have to some degree. And I think there's always, you know, you should always be willing to work with people around you and, and, and be helpful. And, and, and I think it's always good to give your best in a lot of cases, um, to, to organizations that you work for as well. And I think that's one of the reasons I like working for smaller organizations personally is because it feels more, um, personal where I think if I worked at like a larger corporation, I don't know if I would feel that I would feel maybe a little bit more like a, a gear in the cog of the work machine kind of thing. Right. Right. Um, but like, I, you know, there's like interesting conversations around hybrid stuff, but like, I think teens is interesting because it was trying to solve that kind of workplace culture issue of, we have lost our workplace culture because nobody's here and people aren't connecting as as they used to. And so there's not as much connection and people are, are more willing to separate themselves from, from each other in a lot of ways. And there's again, good and bad things about that, but I thought it was an interesting thing. Um, um, that they were trying to solve with that is how to bring some of that back. And I don't think teens uh, metaverse project was the right answer to that. Because if I recall correctly, it did involve things like putting on a VR headset, which I think will never work for metaverse stuff until it's a low profile thing, right? Where you can just basically have some glasses on, you know, that you can just basically turn on and you're there kind of thing. And even that I don't necessarily think is the right solution for that. So personally, um, I, I, I thought it was an interesting approach because it was looking to solve a specific problem where a lot of this other metaverse stuff I don't really feel like often does but maybe it's just not me not knowing like maybe the Gundam fan base really needs an online portal to communicate with each other i don't know <laughs> but you know if they can get a good video game in there hey good good best of luck on them um speaking of interesting portals um uh, this is not a metaverse thing but I, it's kind of presented as one which i thought was kind of interesting uh Sega re- or Sega Sammy really it's, it, it seems like Sammy's logo is the the more prominent thing here uh launched an online platform for browsers and mobile devices called uh Gapoli and what it is is like a online uh browser or or mobile versions of various pachinko slot machines and metal games and things like that And, well, I think a lot of people would be like, whatever, who cares kind of thing. Um, I think what's really cool about this is that, you know, when you live in the U.S., you do you obviously have access to slot machines and things like that, depending on where you live and things like that. Right. Um, But a lot of these have interesting product tie ins uh, or even if they're not product tie ins, they have like fun aesthetics and things like that. I was like a bingo game. I was looking at that's just like a bunch of anime girls, like you know, just being like, "Oh, great hit!" I don't know how a bingo game is like, you know, what you do other than just be like, "Here's my bingo card. The number's gonna show up on screen." Okay, I mean, I guess at the end of the day, that's bingo, right? You aren't the, you aren't doing anything to win in bingo you're just putting the numbers in, right? But in this case, they just put the numbers in for you. I'm like, oh, where's the fun in that? <laughs> I want to stamp the number, um, at least for, as far as I can tell. But it looks like Hokuto no Ken slot machines and stuff like that in there. So like, even if like, it doesn't really matter, I think it's cool to have accessible ways to access, uh, you know, virtual versions of these machines if you need to take a look at like a Hokuto no Ken slot machine for whatever reason, right? I think that's cool. I think um, that is something that that should be well, not should be, but is is it's valuable to have that available, even if most people probably don't care about that kind of thing. So, anyways, that's the end of the unpopular news corner. <laughs> A lot of things going on in there. I mean, at the end of the day, I think the thing I always say is that like, hey, I'm all for any of these things working out, um, but you know, you have to actually make them work out. And the only thing I see successful in any of these things is the fact that Final Fantasy XIV, PSO2, and Fortnite, things like that, are kind of metaverses by accident, is my feeling about it. Maybe other people feel differently. Um, so a lot of these things that were aiming to be metaverse games and using keywords around metaverse stuff, um, I, I just don't see those working out. But hey, you know, I'm not a business guy. I don't make I don't make the money for companies. So, you know, what do I know? I know I'm not even making money for myself right now. That's, that's one of the big things when I get back from Japan is figure out what I'm doing. <laughs> Cause I have been unemployed for a very long time now. Well, not unemployed, but you know, contracting, but not doing enough contracting work because I have been not on my tippy toes about it. I really need to get into that. I'm gonna go have a good time. Not worrying about that right now. I'm gonna go to Japan first. <laughs> so um, a little on the fence about what to do about the podcast while I'm in Japan. Um, you know, previously I would have pre-recorded a bunch of stuff, but I've been trying to be a little more relaxed with the YouTube channel, not sitting there and be like, I have to have content during these weeks. So, um, we may run into the first time in a long time that we will miss podcasts. So I might just for two weeks, just be like, eh, no podcast. And then I'll come back and be like, eh, here's Ben. Ben's back. Podcast time. Um, So that might be the best thing, I think. Um, I think the other thing I'm trying to do with this podcast is, you know, make sure it's something that I enjoy doing. So I don't want to, like, force specific things. And I think a lot of what I want to think about with doing with the podcast on, like, a more production-level kind of thing, like, in terms of, like, podcasts that have meaning beyond just me rambling here every week, right, Um, is kind of something I've been thinking about, and I am working on that, but it's not something I'm doing right now. Um, it is something that I'm going to, you know, address when I get back from Japan, probably. Um, uh, maybe before I do another video. I don't know, actually. I'm, I'm kind of trying to work that out and what makes the most sense. Uh, the video stuff is kind of weird because I'm like, what kind of video is this? I don't really know. <laughs> so, like, I don't even know where to start with the script and stuff like that. But anyways, it doesn't really matter. Long show this week. Thanks for listening. OneChillWort.com is the website. Like I mentioned, damn, damn stompland review went up last week. Uh, I think there's like a journey, uh, casual, not casual review, a podcast highlight going up this week or something. I'll see if I can figure that out here real quick. Um, but otherwise not too much else going on right now. Um, there should hopefully maybe be a, um, what's it called? Uh, PCFx podcast before I go to Japan. So look forward to that got 70 views on that damn, damn stomp plan video. Thank you very much, everybody. Listen, I just saw that now. I have not looked at that. We get any dislikes, So That's what really matters. Other dislikes. So it's five likes. Okay. Yeah, Journey, Journey uh, uh, Podcast Highlight is what it is. So, um, very short, like three minutes, but uh, old, old, old podcast where I talked about Journey and me being kind of unimpressed by it in a lot of ways. So, sorry to be a downer about Journey, but it's there. Um, yeah. Deal with it. A Journey to the end of this podcast. Thank you so much for coming and I hope you guys have a great week. Bye.